Hello and welcome to another episode of Forager Health Podcast. Uh, this week's show is episode 50, so that's kind of crazy awesome. But anyways, Jill Alana Nixon joins us on the show this week. Jill is a good friend of mine who is a Reiki master teacher, a manifestation coach, and fellow shamanic healing arts facilitator. And she has a great deal of passion for helping people recover from patterns of trauma and coping mechanisms. And she helps people heal themselves by identifying these limiting belief structures that we often bring up on the show that can keep us unknowingly bogged down in looping cycles of habits and reactions that can get in the way of our opportunities that we have to create the lives of our dreams. And today we get into many of Jill's own personal stories that led her to a point where she could recognize well enough her ability to surrender to higher knowing that the world was in fact conspiring in her favor in her own life, and that manifestation of the lives that we want is possible for each of us if we allow ourselves to be still for long enough to listen to the signals that we are always receiving in every passing moment. And so what's really fun about this episode is that we get really practical on what manifestation is, on what shadow work is, how these things work for and against us, depending on how we choose to express ourselves in the world and what type of self-work we need to invest in in order to begin creating the lives that we want. So I really think that by expressing a lot of our own personal backgrounds, including moments of awakening and examples of shadow work that we've done over the years, and even stories leading into present day, we really managed to deliver a conversation on this often sort of aloof and heady and spacey topic that delivers actionable advice in really clear and simple terms. And so this is a really fun one. Jill is absolutely amazing. You're going to feel her energy coming through right off the bat. She's an incredible person. I'm really blessed to be able to call her a friend and colleague. You can find Jill at Jill Alana Nixon on Instagram is the best way to reach out to her. She also has a website that you can find on her link tree. All of her upcoming courses and stuff are also on there. That is J-I-L-L-A-L-A-N-N-A. N-I-X-O-N, and you'll find all of her stuff from there. Uh, this is actually a really timely drop because in just a couple of days after this is released, or within a day, if they still have spots open, up in Canada, in her neck of the woods, with another loving and caring heart-centered healer, she's putting on a two-day sort of mini-retreat with breathwork and Reiki and sound healing ceremonies. They have another set of these happening in June, I think four in total, splitting it even between breathwork, Reiki, and sound healing. And it's going to be a really, really cool event. They've been blowing it up on the gram. Definitely go and check that out. If you can't make the one in May, then definitely next month if you are in Calgary, or I can't really remember the other city off the top of my head. But Definitely go and look to see if you are close or it's actually worth traveling to. It's honestly the breathwork ceremonies that they're going to be putting on alone are life-changing experiences. 
She's also dropping her own manifestation course soon that you'll be able to find information on. She's teaching Reiki 1 and Reiki 2 this year. Reiki 1 certification fully online is coming up under her, and I've experienced Jill's Reiki in person. Uh, The woman just has an understanding of flow of life force energy through her vessel and into other people. It's really her touch is unbelievable, and the healing that she's able to facilitate with people in their systems is really profound in my experience. So uh, definitely look into that. And aside from that, we mentioned like a few books and resources. That's all in the show notes. If you want to check out links to the books we mentioned, powerful stuff, you know, Joe Dispenza, Body Keeps the Score, you, you really can't go wrong. So look into that as well. And without further ado, here is my wonderful conversation with Jill Alana Nixon. Do not forget, if you enjoy, to rate, subscribe, and share with your friends. That is how our audience grows, and that's what gives me personally the inspiration to keep delivering week to week this podcast to y'all. So thanks, and until next time, here's the show. Hello. Hello. Hello uh, how are you? I'm great. How are you doing? Good. I'm good. <laughs> Fantastic. Today on the show, I have my dear friend, Jill Nixon, who is a fellow shamanic healing arts facilitator and breathwork facilitator. We met earlier this year at a really intense three-week training uh, with Anahata Ananda, who is just a world-renowned superstar in in our universe, in our in our little uh, natural healers and and energy workers bubble. Uh, Jill is also a Reiki master and a manifestation coach. The stories that I've heard from you up to this point, even though some of them have been like really short, fleeting moments where you just mention this or that. that that you're able to call forth into reality. I'm like, I, I've been trying to work at that level for so long. And for me, it's baby steps over very long periods of time where I've had to shed a lot of layers. And so for you to be so in tune with your fields that you're able to call forth divine guidance or just things into physical reality that work in your favor in the way that you do and the way that you help people do is just really, really intriguing to me. So yeah, I'm, I'm really happy to, to have you here and be able to learn a little bit more about what you do and what your background is today. Thank you. I am so excited to be here. Yeah, there's been many more since I've seen you. And, and we all have this ability. It's just there's so many intricacies that go into it that it took me years to learn. And then once I got it, I was like, whoa. And it was just like amplifying, amplifying, amplifying. And like the more I do it, the better I get at it. And now I'm helping other people. And it's like, we all have these abilities. It's not just me and different people based on their human design chart manifest differently, or can focus on certain things that will help the manifestation come into their field, their 3D reality at a more quick pace. So yeah, having a lot of fun with that lately. Cool. 
are are you like really into human design or you do you just use it as like a reference point uh for the work you do or what's your relationship to it yeah i got into it a few years ago and then i got a full reading and then i just started learning myself mm-hmm. i was never like really called to it until i started to understand my chart and modify my life and i was like whoa this is there's something to this and then things started to flow. Um, over the last six months, I've gotten really, really into it as a reference point to help clients and see how they best function, how they should be designed in their life and how they best manifest. Um, so yeah, I'd say over the last few months, I've gotten like very, very into it just because I'm fascinated by it. And it like, there's a lot of truth to like, if you're a specific manifest or not a specific one or there's this thing called our strongest sense and like if you link that to the manifestation for example mine's inner vision so if I'm trying to manifest something if I sit and imagine it that's the way it's easiest for me to call in but some people are smell other people are taste so if they can link the taste to what they're calling in or a smell or outer vision if you can go to the place that you're trying to say manifest a house and like imagine yourself, like you're physically be at the place, but imagine yourself in the house. Um, then that's like, they're like biohacks essentially for manifestation based on your chart. So yeah, I've gotten really into it in the last few months, which I never thought I really would. That's really cool. So it's more like, instead of giving you like what to do or where to go, it's more like, how is your best line of approach like what does it look like for you where you're able to harness your power to its fullest yes because people then are empowered to start doing it themselves like this is one thing I'm so glad you said um the thing about shedding layers because that's the first step like going deep into the shadows I kind of created a Reiki manifestation method which works but only to the level of your thoughts and your vibration and your beliefs. So if you're not clearing out the old beliefs and releasing old traumas, which we learn to facilitate with Anahata, then you can only manifest or call in to the level that you're already at, to what is equal to your beliefs, what fits that paradigm of your beliefs. So if I can read somebody's chart and explain to them how they can best manifest and teach them how to do that, that is empowering them. So we do the clearing first and then I empower them so that they can learn and amplify their abilities. So they're not relying on me for the rest of their life or whatever they want to manifest. And that's something that's huge because I learned this from Anahata at our training. And it was like, it's the hard pill to swallow, but I had people in my life before we started relying on, whether it was a healer or um, people in my family or friends, or like I just was giving my power away, third chakra, needed a lot of releasing and healing and strengthening and boundaries to all of these other people. And when I realized this, it was jaw dropping because I realized, wow, I've been working with X for however many years, but I'm still stuck in the same cycles, WTF. I never want to be the person someone's going to rely on. I really am so passionate about inspiring people, teaching them so they can go, they can 
take that, work with it, and they're empowered to step into their own power. And ever since the training with clients, like I've been noticing a huge shift because before that I was mostly doing Reiki and a bit of manifestation Reiki, but people weren't able to really, you know, manifest without my guidance, without my hypnosis. Now I'm seeing clients start to shift into their own power and it's just like amplifying and like their whole being has changed. And if they need to come back after a package, they can come back for a tune-up, but they're not relying on me to do it because I am not doing it. I am just a vessel to empower them. Like we all have such innate strength and power. And when we tap into that, we're freaking unstoppable. And that is my passion is to help people step truly into their power. Yeah, that's amazing. I feel like we could only get there once we get a little taste of it ourselves, right? Like when we finally touch that inner core of our being and feel how big we are, then it's like, oh my goodness, I need to share this with people. You know, I need to bring this to those I already help. I need to get hustling and try to help as many more people as I can because you get a taste of what's really in every single one of us you know once we realize what we're capable of the same exact recognition is there that anybody can do it like because by the time you feel it you've been through so much and it's like if i can feel this then anybody can because like <laughs> the line of just roller coaster of crazy behind you is so deep already that if you've been through everything you've been through and then you arrive at where someone like you is or i am then you know that anything's possible at that point absolutely and this is like it's so interesting because we're brainwashed to think i need to rely on this i need to rely on modern medicine i need to rely on the government i need to rely on like all of these other things that we think is going to protect us when really we're just giving our power away. And the more that we do that, the less power we think, perceive that we have, even though we still have it. And it's like, this is also the basis, this construct, constructs that we've been taught and I think brainwashed, so to speak, since childhood, to think that other people, other things, other organizations are going to solve all of our problems and giving our power away to them over and over and over and over again is why a lot of what's going on right now is going on is what like it's the root of so many issues it's the root of wars it's the root of a lot of chronic illnesses and i can only speak for myself on this but in high school i was prescribed adderall not knowing what was in it just was having problems reading because i tracking problems with my eyes there was a decipher between my math and science grades which were really really high and then my english so they're like here just pop some pills Next thing you know, I go from taking one to two to three. I was like a hundred pounds, like taking three Adderall a day, got highly addicted. And it's like, okay, in the short term, it helped, but 
we're not told about the repercussions. We're just like, oh, I'm going to rely on that doctor to tell me what to do. And then I'm going to rely on the drug to help me. And then, you know, when that doesn't work, you're going to rely on something outside of you when really the power is within. And the more people who realize this and step into it, the better, the more peaceful, the more abundant, the more joyful this world will be. Our relationships will be, our health will be, but has to start from within. Absolutely. It all comes from center, right? So you're talking about all the external forces that try to draw our power away from us from a very, very early age. And then we are born into a world where we don't get to make decisions or know what's right or wrong until after we're already indoctrinated and inundated with tons and tons of false and oftentimes really harmful information. Um, and that's something that people that have a passion for helping others heal also have to go through. So I feel like that's a, a really, I feel like that's a really good point to kind of ask. I know that somebody that does the work that you do on the level that you do, or even to arrive at Anahatas in the first place, your story has to have some profound lessons in it. And you had to have gone through a lot of healing up to that point in order to arrive there. And I don't know a lot about your past or your lineage or your storyline. So I know that you've had to have a ton of experience holding space for people, for example. You had to have a lot of experience dealing with shadow. Uh, you, you Honestly, the level of Reiki uh, practitioner that you were showing up, uh, feeling the energy flowing through your hands and everybody in the class commented on it. You had to have a lot of experience allowing that universal life force to flow through you as a, as a clear channel. And so uh, why don't you take us back through what your own journey looked like, your own healing, and then how you came to bring it to other people? Yeah, absolutely. So I always tell people I didn't choose this path. It chose me. If you told me five years ago, I'd be doing this. I would say you're crazy, um, but I'll just go back. So I had a lot of trauma growing up. Um, I mean, I came from a good household, but there were like certain things that caused a lot of trauma. So I suffered severely from anxiety and depression mostly anxiety. Um, starting in high school, I remember I broke down in my principal's office, like just tears streaming down my face. And it was kind of over nothing. Um, so she basically forced me to go to talk therapy. And I did. And I released some, but it didn't really help, which now I understand. I'm just gonna, I think this is important. So I'm just gonna talk about this for a second. Talk therapy can be helpful in certain situations, but it can only get you so far. Although if you are reliving the experience emotionally that you're trying to resolve with talk therapy, you're actually making it worse. You're strengthening the neural pathways of that experience, making the triggers like way more sensitive. And you're just going to keep like the more you loop about it and give attention to it, 
without releasing viscerally through the body, through emotions, um, the trauma and rewriting that it's just going to make it worse, which is why so many people are in talk therapy for 20 plus years and are still in the same loops. Yeah. Um, again, only speaking from my experience, but that is the neuroscience behind it. And this is why the talk therapy didn't really do much for me. It actually made the situation way worse when I experienced it. Um, and then I was a competitive figure skater, got really injured and I always wanted to be an actor. So I went into acting, um, for a while, which was amazing. I moved to New York, but I had, I, I was still like carrying these, like very, a few, like very intense traumas around. So like, I always felt unsafe. I had the worst anxiety. I would self-sabotage all the time. Like I would get my acting in class was really good, but then I would get an audition and all of a sudden get a panic attack. So this went on for years. Um, and I did some acting and I was serving, et cetera, et cetera. Um, then I broke my arm when I was doubling on Sabrina and I was working two serving jobs. Thus, I couldn't do any of those jobs because I had a cast, so I couldn't be her body double anymore. And I couldn't do the serving jobs because my arm was broken. So I was forced, this is right before COVID, divine timing. Thank you, spirit guides. Um, I was forced to sit with myself and my emotion. And I had never done that because I had kept myself so busy, which is, I, I struggled, like I said, with, I was addicted to Adderall and then I was addicted to overworking. I was addicted to like all of these things, over-exercising, sugar, alcohol. Uh, alcohol came later, more in the serving industry, but all of these things that were keeping me from dealing with my emotions and sitting with myself. But because I couldn't do anything, my body was like, oh, I need to like run around and like work. And I couldn't do any of my jobs. So it's I started to like journal and like release things and just dipping my toes into spirituality. Then I went back to my job, couldn't work it after a few days because my arm was so weak after getting the cast off. And so I ended up getting a different job. Um, and it's so funny because I never prayed before this. I never like really believed in other realms, except when I was a child, I had a lot of clairvoyance, which I shut off because people called me crazy. But I had dipped my toes in when my arm was healing for this six weeks. And um, I started to notice wherever I put my attention, like those things would grow. So all of a sudden I was like focusing more on my auditions and they were going a lot better. And I got shortlisted for a huge role. I didn't end up getting it, but I was like, whoa, there's something to this that when you focus on something, it grows. And like, I was learning a little bit about the other realms so, um, when I left that job because I physically couldn't work it, I ended up getting this job for three or four weeks at a, like a small fine dining place. Um, and I was making no money. Like I couldn't support myself. I was making $5 a shift. And I got another job that I gave to my best friend because it was the same day. And I used the method of like setting the intention of getting a new job. I didn't apply for either of these. They just both came to me in one day. And I was like, that's cool. But then all of a sudden she was making really good money. And I was like, I've been out of work for now 
almost two months because my arm was broken. And now I'm making $5 a shift. Like, so I prayed, I'm like, what is going on? Like, please show me like why this is happening. And I just started crying and I, yeah, very low point in my life. Literally the next day I got, um, Dr. Joe Dispenza was doing a retreat. I didn't even know who he was a retreat. (laughs) Yeah. The place I was working and what happened was these people who I served twice, barely knew them, ended up gifting me a Dr. Joe Dispenza retreat, which is $2,500 Canadian. Barely knew them. I'm like, I can't accept this. They were like, no, please take it. Um, there's a synchronistic story about that, but I won't get into it. They're like, please take it. It would mean so much of us. We love you so much and you are worth it. And like, I had huge self-worth issues. So I'm like, oh, I don't know. Anyways, this woman ended up sending me the $2,500, was like, sign up tomorrow. It sells out in like five minutes, which it does. And I was like, okay, sure. There has to be a reason for this. So I just go full in. And I started doing the meditations every day. There was 40 hours of prep work. All of a sudden, all my traumas like start coming up again. And I'm like crying for an hour out of each meditation thinking this freaking sucks. Why do people like meditating? Like what is going on? But it was just stuck energy and stuck trauma in my body. And the only reason I stuck with it was because I was gifted this and I would have felt guilty to not go. So anyways, do all the prep work. I I started manifesting. I manifested a commercial um, for HP, which comes later into the story, out of like thousands of girls. Like I had four auditions for this. They were doing auditions from 9 a.m. to 7 p.m. And I I was so unattached to this role, but I'm like, maybe I'll just like try the Dr. Joe stuff. And it worked. Like I booked the role and I'm like, what? This is crazy. And then like, I, and I started using it at work. We had these competitions where we would like sell wines that weren't on the menu. And at first I was like, oh, I don't want to sell it. Like someone else is going to win. Obviously they better shift. And then I caught myself and I was like, whoa, whoa. Okay. This mind thing. What if I focus my attention on what I want instead of what I don't want? What if I focus my attention on believing that I can win? And I started like winning all these competitions and I had top sales out of people who had been at the restaurant for over 22 years. And I was like, this is cool. Anyway, so this is before the retreat, but I was doing the work. I was starting to learn way more about neuroscience and other realms. And I go to this retreat and I start meeting people who had healed themselves of cancer and Lyme's disease and Crohn's disease and all of these things when they were literally on like their deathbed. And I'm thinking like, you're all, you all are crazy. During the first meditation, I'm so deep in the quantum and I'm seeing so many things like I'm seeing beings and angels and, and demons and stars. And I'm like, what is going on? Like I literally no plant medicines involved, by the way, thought it was going crazy. And so that was the hardest week of my life. It felt like venom was leaving my body again, traumas leaving. And I come back I'm like, okay, I'm done with this stuff. Like, this is creepy. I don't know what's going on. Like, why am I seeing all these things? And people start seeing like your aura is so different. 
And I'm like, you don't even use the word aura. Like what is going on? And all of a sudden things start falling out of my life. Like I lose my job. I've never been fired. I wasn't fired. I was laid off as well as a bunch of other people. Like friends started falling out of my life. Like things started shifting. Dr. Joe talks about this. It's because they weren't an energetic match. So um, I'm like kind of freaking out, but then I'm seeing the opportunity in it. So I'm like, okay, I'm going to focus my attention and what I want. And I ended up booking some acting roles literally the day that I got laid off. And it was only supposed to be for six weeks because it was slow season. They were going to bring me back right after. And then COVID hit. Biggest blessing now looking back. Um, otherwise, I would still be in that loop. So anyways, COVID hit. I moved to Comox with my guardian and my grandpa. And I dive deeper into meditation every single day because I have the time and don't know what to do. And I'm like kind of freaking out again. Cause I can't go to my numbing mechanism at this point, which was overworking. And through Dr. Joe, I ended up meeting this guy who introduced me to my first healer. Didn't even know what a healer was. She was in Cyprus in the Mediterranean. We, they gifted me one session. I'm like, I don't need a healer. They gifted me one session And after that, I was like, I think I have a lot of trauma to heal. So I bought like so many more sessions, worked with her. I ended up moving to Cyprus and Greece to study with her and like do sessions. And I ended up running a retreat with her and um, my friend who's like one of my soul brothers. And it was life-changing. That's where I learned um, a lot of not Reiki, but different energy healing. We would do energy healing circles and our daughter was like super clairvoyant. And like, I just like soaked up everything. And that story is actually super interesting because I knew I wanted to go there. It was like COVID, the beginning of COVID, no one was traveling. It didn't seem possible. I didn't have the liquid funds. I rollerbladed the seawall and I was bawling my eyes out. And I'm like, I am worthy. I am worthy. I am worthy. And I remember this was like, again, everything was falling apart. My acting agent ended up dropping me right after I booked that role too. And I'm like, what is going on? I thought this was supposed to be good. And now looking back, it was good. But in the moment, I didn't understand. So I'm like, not in a good place, but I'm like, okay, there's a reason for this. And right after that rollerblade, I'm like, okay, I made the decision that I was going, I didn't know how I was going to do it. Didn't have the liquid funds within a day. I manifested after I made that decision, I had to tell the universe I am worthy. Um, a points ticket from somebody that was gifted. And then I got an acting check from the HP commercial, which at this point was over a year um, prior. And I never thought I would get that money because you don't get it until it airs. And that ticket literally paid, or sorry, that the check from that, the commercial literally paid for exactly what I needed for my trip and like a tiny bit more. So I came back to like, not like having no money. And I was like, what is going on? Like there is like, this is crazy, but my paradigm was still like, okay, this is real. I have the data, but like my, because I've been programmed in such like 3d constructs, it was still kind of unbelievable and woo. 
but I had the data and like, anyway, so I came back. Okay. Hold up. Okay. Hold up. <laughs> so you're literally jumping from being gifted a Joe Dispenza retreat, which is really just amazing all on its own <laughs> to then like, because of the amount that you're allowed to like, let go of through that experience, you're working with this healer who is organizing a trip to Greece and you go to Greece and oh, or was no, Greece she, before Joe? No, Greece was after. So I met okay. her through somebody I met at Dr. Joe's, one of my soul brothers, and she met him at, at a different Dr. Joe retreat. But they lived in, she lives in Cyprus in the Mediterranean and okay. he lives in Greece and they're very close. So I went to Greece to visit him and then we went to Cyprus. So I was working with her distantly. Okay, gotcha. So you were working with her remotely and then you went in person for this experience. What kind of work was she doing? And like, what was, I know you were getting to it, but at that point, you're still saying that you were weighed down by your belief and conditioning structures even then. And that is like, so all of your ability to call forth this abundance in your life was despite the fact that you still knew that you had work to do. That's fascinating to me. So yeah, dive into that more. Like what happened in Greece and what did that look like for you? Okay. So after the money came and I booked my ticket, I, like logically, this is the simplest way I can explain it. Logically, I was like, this is crazy. Jill, you are literally going crazy. Like these are all coincidences, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> but I'm like, okay, but things are just working out. And I'm like manifesting. And I, I did it. I did a number of tests. For example, after the retreat on my birthday, I was like, okay, this is like, this can't be real, like this manifestation thing, but I'm just going to try again. It's like all the times that I'm curious and I'm not attached that things happen. That's huge for manifestation. So I'm doing my morning meditation and I'm like, okay, show me a sign. If I tapped into the divine, the ascended masters, whatever you want to call them, God source, show me a sign that I connected with you today. And so I leave, I go get to my coffee shop that I go to often and it's pouring rain and I walk. So nobody's outside on the patio. I walk by the patio as after I have my coffee and there's this, there's a gift card and it says happy birthday. And it's my birthday. And I'm like, that's weird. And I walk away thinking like, it's obviously empty. And then I'm like, Hey, no. So I go back and I look at it and I walk away and I go back and I'm like, I'm going to see it's for shoppers, which is a block away shoppers drug mart. For those of you in the States, it's like a drugstore, but they sell chocolate, etc. And I had been craving for rare Rocher's that day because my birthday is right after Christmas. My mom always gets them for Christmas and they're very addicting. So I'd been craving for Rocher's like the day before and that morning. And I bring it into Shoppers Drug Mart and I'm like, hey, can you like see if there's anything on this card? And they're like, oh yeah, it's like $20. And I'm like, and as soon as I had walked in, there was Ferrero Rocher's like on the display 
for $18.99 or something. So with tax, it was literally just under $20. And I'm like, there's no way. So like <laughs> all of these little signs, I like, I was just playing. I'm like, okay, let's just see. So all of these signs were like in my face, like showing me Jill, there is something more like this is real, but like my logical mind just couldn't fathom it. So I just started listening to my intuition and my gut and my body. And I, at this point I had nothing to lose because like it was COVID, all the restaurants were closed. The film industry was closed. My agent had just dropped me anyways. Um, so all of these, like I, I had nothing to lose and I just, it was a deep inner knowing, like you need to go to Cyprus. There's something there. And when I got there, um, I had been working with her name's Garcia, an amazing healer who does similar work to Anahata. Things were like shifting in my life, left, right, and center. And so again, like the data was there in my life, but I was still doubting it. And I couldn't not see the data, if that makes sense. Like, and, and the, the deep knowing of like me needing to go to Greece and Cyprus and I healed so much there. And I saw so many things um, and met some other amazing healers and very spiritual people. But like I had, I, I just stopped following my logic because it wasn't serving me if that makes any sense yeah absolutely. yeah it was kind of like the last straw to like doubting yourself would you say the last straw came on my last journey um before Anahata's actually through like when I left Canada I met her through this journey and that's when I really just started trusting source and I'm like but by then I, I didn't have, I had very few limiting beliefs and I wrote a podcast on this. There was two things. I healed my eye when I almost went blind and modern medicine said I was going to go blind if I left the country and didn't get it looked at every day. And then after I healed it and they couldn't believe, and that was at a Dr. Joe retreat, um, within three days, they were like, what did you do? And I was like, oh, just some light meditation, AKA like several hours a day, like 10 hours a day, just focusing my intention on that. And then they told me I'd have a huge scar on my eye for the rest of my life. It was a third of my eye and it's white and I have deep brown, dark eyes. And I just said, thank you for your opinion. I do not accept this. this is not what I want. And again, I focused on what I wanted, AKA the scar to be gone. And within two weeks it was gone. And then I manifested my dog getting stolen unintentionally. I manifested that. And then I manifested him back. And that was probably the last time I ever doubted this work and manifestation and that there is something more powerful than us because I shouldn't it logically I should not have him back the stories on my podcast but like it was so clear that was my last deep teaching and it was necessary hmm. the amount of pain I went through in that process was so necessary but because of my state of being because of what I was focusing on the fear of him getting stolen living it viscerally in my body he got stolen, not the day I was living the fear, but the next day, but I was still in that state. And then I shifted it. And I tapped into something greater than me. 
And it was a miracle that I got him back. So that was the last time. But all of these experiences, like living in Greece and Cyprus, and the stories that my Reiki teacher taught or told us through teachings, um, also like all of these things in my life were like nuggets that were getting dropped and experiences that I had to go through to finally be like, okay, like now I have seen too much. I have experienced too much that there is a greater power. I don't care what other people say about me anymore. That was a thing I had fear. Um, but I know for me that there is a greater power. I'm not religious. I have nothing against religion. I'm not preaching it. I'm not going against it. But I believe in source, God, the divine. I think it's all the same for me. But there's just like been way too much data in my life through my experiences to think that there's anything like that this isn't possible and that we are just 3D beings living in this 3D reality that we can touch. Yeah. And everybody like can sense it. Like we, you're around somebody and all of a sudden you're energized and then you're around someone else and you're so tired. Like that is energy. Yeah. That is something greater than us that we can't see. And I truly believe that the people who say that they can't sense anything or that they don't believe that there are more realities or aspects of our reality than just the physical also deep down inside because that is based in traumatic conditioning sense that what they feel is the totality of reality is wrong like they, they don't feel comfortable in the reality that they proclaim to be the whole thing right that they're uncomfortable but they still deny based on their less than ideal experiences with the divine or with religion or with spirituality or uh, whatever else they've been told or shown uh, throughout their childhoods that, uh, you know, th they just don't have the willingness to see that there is something more, if that makes sense. Absolutely. And I get it. I was that person. Even when I had the data at first in front of me from my own experience, I was that person. Like I had a teacher in New York from acting school. My school was very small who he wrote a book called bliss. His name's Gary Ramsey. He went to the doctor after some things and they said, you have cancer. And the bad news is, and he goes, the bad news. They said, the bad news is you also have a brain tumor and you will be lucky if you live till tomorrow. And and told him like he was going to die by the end of the week. Like there was no, nothing he could do. He had already been kind of into this. Like he was very open-minded already. Had already been into energy. He ended up going to Mexico, a retreat center in Mexico. Like the next day, everything worked out for him in divine timing. And cancer-free brain tumor is gone. <laughs> I, when I heard this story, he was one of my really good friends, teachers, mentors. I didn't talk to him for three years because it didn't fit my paradigm. And wow. I thought he was crazy. So I get it. Like I have been there. I have been the one to like make fun of the people 
the first retreat, I'm thinking like, everyone's crazy. Where am I? Get me out of here. And then I'm seeing things. That was another thing I learned in Cyprus. Like I met a lot of people with these abilities. And now I'm realizing we all have some kind of clear gifts, like whether it's seeing, hearing, feeling, or deep intuition. Um, but I get it. So you're absolutely right. And, and some people will never believe this stuff yeah, or believe there's something more. Here's an interesting question then, because at these events that are seminal to our evolution of our understanding, like Anahata's training is a great example, <laughs> there are moments almost every day where you want to run, where you want to leave. Like, oh my gosh, what am I doing here? Like, I'm not good enough to be here. I don't deserve this. I'm going to screw it up. I'm going to get kicked out anyway. They're going to see through the smoke screen, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. All, all of these lies of our inner protectors, right? They all come welling up to the surface because what are you there to do? You're there to let parts of yourself die, really. Um, yeah. So what is the thing that makes some people stay and some people so averse that, they either never show up or they leave. Like, what is our difference here? What's the differentiator between staying and going and not allowing yourself to grow? Like, what is the secret sauce for people who might be curious but are afraid to take the leap? Great question. Um, firstly, I love how you said that because it's our subconscious and our ego wanting to protect us and keep us small when all of those things come up. And we have the choice. I see this with clients in a breath work session right before they're going to have a big breakthrough. A lot of resistance comes up or sometimes people cancel last minute for all of these reasons, but really it's their unconscious and ego trying to protect them and keep them safe and small. I personally think people they're not going to change or step in, try these modalities, step into their power until they are ready. And I think the choice point of being ready or willing to jump in is it's easier to do that than to stay where you are. And what I mean by that from my experience is I had to go through a lot of really low lows. And I'm like, if I, like right before I left Canada on that five and a half month journey, I like, I remember <laughs> blindfolds were coming off on reality and like my paradigm. And I was in a dark night of the soul, realizing so much of what I've been taught is a lie. And I was crying on my bathroom floor. And I thought to myself, like, if I don't leave, like, I'm going to end up dead, literally. Like, I didn't want to live in that moment. And I've, I've gone through a few deep dark nights of souls and they've all been initiation. So for me, it was easier to take the step, take the leap than it was to stay where I was because I didn't want to live where I was. And people don't change until, in my view, until it's easier to change than it is to stay where they are. Because we got comfortable. I keep arriving at this over and over and over again in these conversations where you literally are at a point where you would either rather just leave this life for the next 
or something has got to give. And it's only rock bottom that makes human beings actually begin to change. And you could be telling yourself that you're changing or going through an evolutionary process for years before then and leading up to it. And then one day you're just like, holy crap, nothing else, like nothing has really surmounted to anything. So I'm still as uncomfortable as I've ever been. And that status quo where we get comfortable is why I'm just always left perplexed by like, is there any chance where people will change or have changed where there hasn't been an extreme lesson from or the two from the or three or four from the pain teacher beforehand you know and i don't know whether or not there there is at this point uh i just hope that by having these conversations more and more and by more people than ever waking up through these last like cataclysmic few years that people will begin to evolve without having to literally go to the utmost of their own suffrage, but I haven't found it yet. Yeah, I, similar experience. I mean, there's varying degrees, but it's like the people I feel, at least that I've worked with that shift the most are the ones that are like, I need to shift. Like something needs to change. And then they step in. And I love working with those people. And I think... A lot of people are suffering and numbing it and they know they're suffering it or they're suffering, but they don't realize how much until they stop the numbing. And that's when a lot of people, I think, step in. But it's like most of society, in my experience, is walking around in this haze of like thinking that that's how the rest of their like is going to go like they they can't they're so like in this haze and blinded that they can't see that there's actually something more for them and the more I have shifted and stepped into this work the more I've seen people in my life be like whoa what are you doing like what did you do you're different like you're not the Jill I knew and I'm not like, it's still me, but it's more of me. And I think the more that we can show them by example, then people are more willing, but they need to see, like, when I started this work, people thought it was crazy. And now they're like, what did you do? I'm like, I told you like two and a half years ago, three and a half, three years ago, whenever I started, time's an illusion now. Um, like, I, I already told you, but only now are they seeing like the results like very concretely they were like they were like they were seeing results but like all of a sudden it's like you're a different person I'm like yeah and I've been doing this work religiously for years like I, when people say they want to change but they don't want to invest in themselves I'm like I have invested fifty thousand dollars in my growth in retreats in healers in trainings I I made the choice to stand for myself nobody made that choice for me you know, and that's, I think that's what it takes for a lot of people to make that choice. It's like they, they, when they start looking at their life being like, is this where I'm going to be in 10 years? Is this where I'm going to be in 20 years? Like, and really sit with themselves to realize that they're not happy doing what they're doing or where they are. 
and to stop numbing even for a couple of days. Yeah. Like that is huge. Like I've, I work with, I've, after on hot days, actually a lot of clients with addictions have come to me and I'm like, Hey, let's, I work at all angles, but I'm like, just take two days off, off of like your addiction. And I give them a practice called raisins. And I'm like, be present to the emotions that are coming up because that's the root. And then we're going to work through those. But most people don't even realize that there's like these emotions underneath because they're living in this haze. They're addicted to things they don't even realize they're addicted to. And it could be emotions. Like a lot of people are also addicted to emotions. And then until they're willing to like, at least for a couple of days, sit with themselves, they don't even realize, like it's not even in their awareness that they're covering up all these things and there could be something more. Yeah. I really want to tie this in here because uh, in yeah. doing homework or a little bit of homework, at least for this conversation, I watched that. I think the first one of the get togethers that you had with your astrologer friend. And in that briefly in passing, you said that you've never actually done exogenous psychedelics before. Never. But, but on the other hand, a lot of what you and I do is like, we are almost the psychedelic experience for people. Like we are a psychedelic experience. And I want to speak on that in the context of the fact that, you know, you're, you're showing these people the emotional content behind their behaviors and then shifting them. So you mentioned your, uh, less than ideal experience with talk therapy. And I see it as the exact same thing. I I've never done talk therapy without the quantum, without the higher levels, without the going inward and allowing whatever is there to be confronted. Right. But I know people in my life who have been that decade long person that w where are the results? It, it maintains the status quo. And then you describing that by sitting with those emotions and talking about them and then not doing anything with them, you could make it worse. That's mind blowing to me at like, that's revolutionary right there. You know, very controversial topic, honestly, because tons of people that I know uh, really profess how important and crucial talk therapy has been in their lives but they also are people who i know personally have done a lot of the deeper work as well like the milestones in between and then if you don't like if you're not set up in your life to have a giant ex as existential clash and release of things that aren't really yours that don't belong to you that are weighing you down on a day-to-day -day basis then yeah a therapist can be fantastic in order for you to dig deeper, right? So that you might find more things to then go bring into what you're trying to let go of in a deeper visceral format. Like you said, it's literally stored within the body. Our water, our DNA, our fascia, they have this memory of what we've been through. And it needs to be gotten rid of. With that, in a deeper fashion than conversation. And that is what you do. So what does that look like? Because when you, 
bring up talk therapy in of itself, that's a trigger for people because yeah. they get they get defensive. It you know solar plexus like they identify with their experience, right? Yeah. And so, yeah, just talk on that. Talk on what makes that not enough, and then what it looks like to go deeper. Yeah. Firstly, I'd love to touch on the fact the no psychedelics. I'm not saying that they're bad um, or anything. I think they can be very healing in the right environment with the right protection, with the right facilitator. Yeah. But as you experience, and I experienced at Anahata's and I've experienced before too, it's like, we don't, so many people think, oh, to like tap into different realms or to like see visions, I need to do ayahuasca or I need to do mushrooms or, um, or acid or whatever. It's and the same. Of- I'm sorry. I, I just want to interrupt one more time. It's the same 3D paradigm that makes us think we need to externalize our power sources in all other aspects of life, right? We need to yes. search elsewhere. Yes. You and I have experienced very differently. Yes. And that's the thing. I'm not saying there's anything wrong with them. I'm saying you don't need them. And people sometimes who are, who have done a lot of these are like, you've seen all those things. Like you see those things with clients, you, you get visions in your meditation, like you without psychedelics, like you must, I'm like, no, I've never taken any. And so it's just data, but I do the work daily. Like it, it was like one day, yeah, one day it reawakened, but it wasn't just like all of a sudden I was like, I wasn't doing the work and it reawakened. It's like, no, I was doing the work, doing the work, doing the work. Then I was ready. It reawakened. My clairvoyance came back. So it's like, I think sometimes people use psychedelics, not always, but sometimes as a shortcut because they don't want to do the work. So I would encourage anybody who is using them like if you need to use them, that's great. And they can be very healing, but then have a daily practice, like continue doing the work. Don't just continue to give your power away to that psychedelic. It's the same thing as giving your power away to cocaine or to alcohol or to somebody else. Like it's literally the same thing. If you're addicted to plant medicine or relying on it every time you need to make a choice because you feel like you can't tap in yourself then you're still giving your power away. Um, so I'm so glad you brought that up. And and like, our, I'm curious right after this to hear um, your experience through the shamanjalic breath work that we got, because to me, I've never done the psychedelic experience, but that was so, I had so many visions and so many things like released that I didn't even know I was carrying that when I've told people, again, they're like, you must have been on, psychedelic. And I'm like, I was not. And our breath has the power to tap into our unconscious and subconscious mind, bring the traumas up, feel them fully release them. And like, also I linked for myself ancestral traumas I experienced and released that I didn't had no idea was carrying in that experience. Um, so it just goes to show like, we don't need these other things. And this is also science, like the power of the breath and whatnot. For those of you who are like the woo stuff is too much, just the power of the breath, breath, being able to release stuck energy in our body is science. The book I'm reading it again right now, 
the body keeps the score is freaking phenomenal or breaking the habit of being yourself by Dr. Joe Dispenza, another phenomenal one that bridges the science and data and spiritual spirituality of this and proves it. Um, could you please repeat your question? The second part? Yeah. Coming off of that, what does it look like say without a breathwork ceremony between the breathwork ceremony, what does it look like for somebody to actually go into that core level and do their own shadow work? Or what does the shadow work look like when you're working with a client? Because a lot of people, a lot of conversations go into this realm without really dissecting it on a digestible level for somebody who's never experienced this stuff before. And then a lot of people just have no clue what it feels like. And I don't know that they can know what it feels like without feeling it for themselves. But in your own words, to the best of your ability, bring somebody that has never done anything deeper than say a counseling session, like a traditional therapy session to a point of understanding of what the difference is between, I guess, maintaining the status quo temporary relief or permanent change? Yeah. So um, like you said, our body remembers everything and it can be passed on to you from like when you're in your mom's womb, you are literally absorbing like her, like everything that's going on with her, you are experiencing it too. So it's being carried in your body in your DNA, like again, science. Um, and then when you come in, you're a clean slate other than that to the world. And then things happen. And when we're between the age of zero and seven, specifically, we, our prefrontal cortex is not developed. So anything that happens, we only remember the emotion behind it. So I think trauma firstly is so like, there's a negative connotation on it. And a lot of people are like, I don't have trauma. Everybody has some sort of trauma and it can be so simple as like, it can be sexual abuse. It can be physical abuse, emotional abuse. It can be like catastrophic things. Somebody died very young, whatever. And it can be as simple as you needed to be fed and you were crying and your mom was like dealing with a pot. She just dropped and like, didn't give you the attention right away that you needed. Therefore you felt unloved and you wrote that story even though the experience from an outside perspective might've been very different, it doesn't matter what it was. It's what you made it mean, how you viscerally felt it. And a lot of the time in these scenarios, um, we don't release them and experience them fully. And this actually gets worse as a prefrontal cortex gets developed because we're like, oh, I can't cry right now. I can't rage right now. I can't whatever. So something happens and we're like, it gets trapped in our body, the energy stored in our body and not released. And we just go on with our life, but then it causes a blockage. Whereas if you look at an animal, like my dog this morning, something happened and he was like, Ugh, and he shook it off, right? He's shaking the energy off. Therefore he goes back to homeostasis. When we don't experience it fully and release it, we don't go back to homeostasis. So we're carrying that trauma. And we're also carrying the story that we 
wrote in our minds about what was happening and what they what we made that mean about ourselves. Therefore, every it's called a samskara, Sanskrit for trauma. Every time we experience something similar or a trigger will come up, our body doesn't know the difference of like when we were five years old and that thing happened, or when we were 10 years old and that thing happened. We experience the trauma as if it is our body is living in the old experience in the moment. And we actually yeah. don't develop past that point. Um, like our mind doesn't develop in a consciousness past the point of like the five-year-old that was traumatized for X scenario until we release that trauma within that realm. So I'll give you an example. I had huge abandonment issues for a very long time. And every single time something would happen where I felt abandoned, I would be reliving the experience of like a five-year-old version of me. And until I released that trauma viscerally, I was at the mind and experience of a five-year-old. Only after I released that was I like, oh, this isn't actually them abandoning me. This is them saying no to an invite or, you know, like whatever the thing is, or they have other plans and they can't come to my party. And this really releasing things is the only way you are going to get sustainable permanent changes. So we can cover it up with anti-anxiety medications or overworking ourselves or drugs or alcohol or whatever the thing is that temporarily takes away the pain. Could be even food or exercise. Food, a huge one, exercise. Whatever takes away the pain temporarily, but causes harm long-term and pushes it away. We think it's a wave. It's actually just like in our body even more and like adding more layers on top of it, which is why when the trauma comes up again, usually each time it's like more intense because we've been pushing it away and adding layers on top of it until somebody like freaks out when something super small happens, but their experience of it is not small. So when you release it through the body, the body will like convulse or you'll scream or you will cry or you'll have this cathartic release of energy with emotion. That is your body experiencing the trauma that it wasn't able to experience before releasing it. Therefore the samskara is healed or released or whatever you want to call it. And it's not shackling you in your life. I'll give another example for people. Um, I was afraid of men. And I realized this at on hot as it kept coming up so deep in my subconscious. But every time I was around somebody, men who are like very in their masculine my body felt like it was going to die. And there was a very specific trauma associated with this. And no matter when people would be like, but you're safe, you're not that little girl anymore. Yeah, but my body doesn't fucking know that. And so there was a pattern that kept repeating itself in my life. And I kept drawing in very abusive partners 
that would allow me to relive the trauma essentially because it was familiar. So I was drawing it in. And then when this goes into how we draw this into our life, then in the breathwork ceremony, I released a very specific ancestral trauma, which rooted back to my grandpa and experience. Firstly, I released the rage that I felt from something that happened in my childhood that I was not able to express before because there was no safe environment. I didn't know how to. And for 10 minutes, I, I literally raged. Like I didn't even think that noise could come out of my body. And then I had a vision of my grandpa and I was my grandpa in this vision. It was kind of sounds weird in the ceremony driving across Canada at two years old alone because his parents had died. And then I released his rage and anger for that happening. And then I felt his pain for that happening. And then I felt love and compassion for, I'm just going to say it. My grandpa was very abusive. So because of this trauma, so I wasn't able to like love him because I had so much anger and rage because of what he did and the pain he caused physical and emotional. But then once I released the anger and the rage and then felt his pain, released his anger, rage, and pain, everything shifted with my relationship with him, with my father, and all men in my life because they were a representative of it. And I was no longer afraid of men illogically. Like my body viscerally like shifted and it was, and then I was able from there to release any relationship um, that was not serving me with any, like with a male partner in my life and any male friend that was actually abusive. So I hope that made sense in like how you have to release it in the body and also how it correlates to everything in your life. We, we call in the familiar. It's just like you said with, therapy, like traditional talk therapy, you said that because you're emoting the emotion that you're trying to get rid of, you're actually greasing the neurological groove, so to say, in order to make that more prevalent in your life. And it's the same thing with, you know, we are creating in every single moment, right? So I want to talk more on manifestation as well at some point in this talk we're like you're all the point is you're always manifesting right and so yes. before we address these things we're manifesting the repetitions of our own worst nightmares basically because yes. we don't we don't get to pick our nightmares and we don't know what they are until we come of age to address them but another really big thing that came in for me which is almost like a summation of the the whole story that you just shared is that it's because the human system only remembers the trauma uh, by feel and by emotion that the healing also needs to come through feel and emotion. Like unless yes. it's felt, it's not healed. And it's not like the feeling on the point of release is the same feeling as when it's bearing down on you. It's like this crazy, like if you looked at it out of perspective, you would think that like these people are just like totally insane, writhing around on the floor, screaming or 
laughing hysterically for no reason, you know, but like it is what it needs to be. It is what the body needs to express in order to kind of like dry up that route in your brain and allow a new route to grow where it's like, oh, I, I don't, I can deviate from the program. I don't have to do this anymore. Absolutely. I would love to interject with two really important things that that you just reminded me of. Yeah. So with manifestation, we're always manifesting. So in that experience, I am like, why did I manifest a partner who is abusive in certain ways and made me feel unsafe? Like there were certain things that I'm like, this is physically unsafe because that's what I was used to. So my nervous system was calling it in because it was familiar. Secondly, I had done 15 years of healing on my father. God bless him, love him. But there were some things. And I had written so many forgiveness letters to him. And I felt the emotion, but I was essentially bypassing because I was feeling that emotion as a victim, not as which you essentially just touched on in other words, not as like, whoa, I need to explain this and then I'm free and liberated of it. The only healing or the profound healing and shift happened when I didn't bypass my anger for the situation or the experiences. I had to feel the anger first and then I was able to process shit. This, this behavior is coming from his pain and my grandpa's pain. And then feeling their pain, releasing it for them. And then it was like, shit, now I can have compassion. And that's where things, that is where the change happens. Like after the releasing of the whatever, it's like when people die and it's like, oh, well, like, let's look at the, the gift in this. Well, no, you have to release the grief. Or if you have resentment for that person, you can't even release the resentment. You can't feel the grief until you release the resentment. And then you release the grief. And then you can look at the gift. And this is where I think a lot of people um, get trapped and like, let's look at the love and light. Well, like, where's the freaking darkness? Because we need to bring light to the darkness before coming at it from a place of just pure light, if that makes sense. The dark, shining the light on the darkness is what allows us to experience the light. Um, sorry, those two things I think are really important because I think in the healing world, a lot of bypass happens in that. And I used to bypass in that way for myself. And like, even when I was just doing Reiki without doing the deep shadow work, there were certain things that I couldn't help clients move past. And now I'm seeing it was because I was trying to bypass, but they had to go into the shadows. I had to direct them into the shadows and hold that space for them. But yes, manifesting everything in our life, we are manifesting the good, the bad, I don't really like using good and bad, but the more pleasant experiences and the awful ones, we are manifesting all of it. And if there's something unhealed, it will keep showing itself to us and maybe unpleasant manifestations. But if we go into that and go into the shadow of that and release it, that's where the gift lies. And that's where the transformation happens in ourself, our emotional experience, and in our outside life, aka the manifestation of our 3D reality. That's beautiful. 
Yeah. I need to dig into the whole premise of like, there's no good or bad because you just kind of shed light on it so eloquently by then following up with the fact that there's a gift within each one of the dark spaces or places or events that occurs to us, right? So the whole yeah. time I've been doing the podcast, I talk about uh, I talk about it in the context of how Paul Check teaches it, who's one of my main mentors. And that's yeah. when I refer to the pain teacher, that is his concept that if there is pain in your life, it's because of some sort of self-deception, as Anahata likes to say, or ignoring a personal truth that is really important as a key to unlock what you're supposed to be doing here. Right. So I'm curious for yourself Mm -hmm. here, let's go into it. What was the time that you faced a lot of adversity, but looking back, it was the biggest gift. Oh my goodness. Like my last like four years of life, (laughs) Uh, everything from uh, my whole entire adult life was, adversity. I consider my like whole entire quote unquote adult life from around the age of 24 to now when I first confronted really actual psychological, mental, physical, emotional pains, realized that they that it's not how it should be that you're like in constant anguish the whole like the whole time that you're awake for one reason or another always worrying about your interactions with people or uh, never being able to turn off your mind and wanting to do something about it right and then looking back on how silly it is to consider yourself an adult at 24 or 25 because most of us just aren't Yeah, you know, uh, it's so still in adolescence, but it's just funny how much more lessons within that adversity come along. It was like I was trying to dig through the Sahara Desert with a little gardening tool. And every single time I took another scoop of sand, there was just you still have more to learn over and over and over and over again. And uh, that's not to scare anybody off because on the, the tail end of it, when you can finally see the light at the end of the tunnel, that whole transformational process of really just never giving up until you experience who you are, not find out who you are, you know, quote unquote, once again, but actually experience it. So we talk about how it, it is a felt thing. You know, it, you have to actually one day feel it in your body that you are no longer burdened by what you think you are. And you're finally able to express what you feel inside, which is light and expansiveness and hope and compassion. That is worth all of the digging. And the digging for me lasted a very long time. And you get glimpses along the way, right? Like you said, coming back from Greece, you still had a lot of doubt, but you had also experienced like magic that other people don't even know exists. Uh, that It was like that for me as well. And so by the time I arrived at Anahata, I was ready 
to have that final nudge into like, no, you can't, you have to hold yourself at a level of integrity that you can't wait until you're 50. You can't wait until you're 60. You can't wait until you have old man or, or wise woman wisdom. You, you need to pull down your fullest self from there to here, because right here now, you need yourself and people need you. And so there is yeah. no sitting around and waiting to feel like that grand master of whatever your life looks like ideally in 30 years. It's here or it's nothing. And with Anahata, it's like you do it now or you get out. <laughs> and and that yeah. was very, very uncomfortable for you. We, we went over what in my view with the level of education that I've pursued uh, just under my own merit with hundreds of books and thousands and thousands of podcasts listened to and just all kinds of workshops and seminars. We went over things throughout that first like seven days or so that were relatively basic uh, as far as like the labels of the topics, right? Boundaries, chakra yeah. system. But yeah. day, day one... We were learning about the chakra system, and I felt like I was being torn apart. <laughs> you know, like everybody in the room was like, holy shit, I'm so uncomfortable right now. And there were several times in that first 10 days, like we mentioned earlier on, I don't know if I'm going to make it. I don't know if I'm going to be here at the end of this this session. You know, I, I just don't know if I have it in me to stay here. It was such a cataclysmic, like, Okay, can you really hold the space? Can you really remain in that clear vessel state of neutrality that she was trying to pound into us the entire time? And ultimately, that was it for me. I, 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 was, uh, I was already everything that I am now before then, but not consistently, like not like at the snap of a finger. Yeah, you hadn't stepped in fully yet. No, me and too. I knew that. But I think there's a difference between knowing and then figuring out or allowing yourself to stumble into how to step in fully. And for us, that was letting our intuition lead us into those experiences, right? Yeah. On day one, I said to the whole class during introductions, I have no idea what I'm doing here. It's just all year I knew that I was coming here and that I was supposed to be here and I'll find out along the way. And that's the kind of decision making that you have to make in order to actually embrace your whole self is to be like, I don't know why this feels so good or so right, but I'm going to find out instead of always needing a reason. 100%. It's trusting the intuition for sure. I my experience was similar. Like I just knew I needed to be there. I'm curious because I think this is a really good teaching for those listening. Um, what made you realize that there was something more, like there was more, there was something more available to you than you had tapped in. And I'm also curious of how you found Anahata. Um, <laughs> I had known about Anahata for probably at least a couple of years prior because I am a podcast junkie and because she's been on so many of the biggest like health and wellness and biohacking and spirituality based podcasts. So I don't know who came first. 
I know that Ben Greenfield has had her on the show. I know that Luke Story has had her on uh, on his show, the Lifestyles podcast on Ben Greenfield Fitness. I know that Aubrey Marcus and Kyle Kingsbury, who she mentioned throughout our training, uh, have both spoken to her and she has led Breathwork at Fit for Service, which is their giant communion type event they hold several times a year so i i knew her through those mediums and then appropriately i will say that breath work is how i discovered that there was something more uh i had faith before then like i had an inkling like i was following a trail of breadcrumbs and i had learned to meditate years before my first breathwork session I was doing Wim Hof style breathing before my first holotropic or shamanic style breathing. Uh, I was already a yoga teacher. I was collecting certifications as a fitness instructor, that whole bag of worms where you're trying to externalize your validation for trying to like prove to yourself that you're enough to help people. But back then it just wasn't working out because I didn't have the confidence. I had severe imposter syndrome even though i just like my my passion and my wisdom in back then fitness and nutrition and now just the whole holistic gambit my passion for it is is just uh it might be matched but it's not surpassed like i know my worth now back then i had no clue like i i couldn't prove it to myself no matter how hard i tried conferences, workshops, certifications galore, could not prove myself worthy of helping people, (laughs) ironically. You're a chiropractor too, right? No, I went to chiropractic school for two years. I've been training chiropractic bodywork, energy work since 2017. So going on five years now. During chiropractic school was when I got really, really sick, which most of my audience probably already knows about. Uh, yeah. and, I, and I was forced to drop out twice. Those were big lessons for the pain teacher. So yeah, my, the environment yeah. at school was making me sick. So that was a part of my story that was very interesting. I, I was meant to know what it's like to lay my hands on somebody and see their system change before my eyes and see real lasting healing come to them through their own systems, but I wasn't meant to take on a 3D societal label that would box me into that construct. (laughs) But that's another rabbit hole. Uh, I want to get to, you asked about the breathwork, which is the real change. Yeah. My first breathwork session, like what Anahata does, was in January of 2018. And before then, I was severely analytical. That was severely is a good adjective for that. It's kind of fun. And very, you know, left brain dominant where I thought I was into spirituality, like uh, the concept of metaphysics and whatnot, or like quantum biology was known to me, but not felt right. And as a little kid, I was extremely sensitive, emotional. Uh, I was able to what's the vision one clairsentient clairvoyance clairvoyant I, I was clairvoyant i was claircognizant I, I clairsentient is feeling then i think it's hearing hearing okay i do all i did all that stuff i lived in imaginary worlds as a kid 
And whereas other people, not that I didn't have any friends, I had a lot of real life friends back then as well, but where a lot of people give up their imaginations and playing in their imaginary world at like six or seven. And that's what you'll read in textbooks. And that's what people will say. Like when I was five, I used to imagine this stuff. I didn't have action figures as a kid. Like I I had video games later on, but I had no physical things. I like, I had a lot of stuffed animals, but I didn't play with them. I literally would sit there in a corner and I had an entire alternate world with alternate people that I would interact with. And I did that like up to puberty around like 12 ish or whatever, five years beyond where normal people would let it go. I was living in alternate realities and I was very emotional even in my dark years between then and like 26 or 27, uh, I was always labeled negatively in those days, obviously, as a sensitive individual. I'm too sensitive, you know, but my powers of of creation were gone. Uh, I remember in my early chiropractic days, I was a part of this mastermind group and I expressed to them that I used to be able to create entire worlds in the blink of an eye within my mind. And now I have trouble envisioning what my office is going to look like one day, like what the details of that would be. Oh, you shut it off for a bit. I shut it off for a long time. And that that breath work brought back my emotional body 100% online, like somebody exploding like a big box of C4 in my brain. So that that's when I knew, like that's when I knew. That's when I felt it was my first breathwork ceremony. And it was an insane weekend. Like I can go, we can talk about that for like an hour. I will just say that I came back so widely expanded that I couldn't hold the field. I snapped back and actually got sick for like two weeks after that. And my joints ached and like I I couldn't eat. I remember there was a series of like four or five days where I had like two apples and I drank nothing but tea. And I wasn't into fasting back then. I literally was so out of body and so rocked by that experience. It was 300 people doing breath work. Wow. It was very, very, uh, as existentially challenging. So yeah, that, that was my wake up call was (laughs) that silly thing. And it was so wild because there was no reason for me to be there other than following what felt good, even before I knew what that meant. Uh, this was a conference in San Francisco, and my school was in Atlanta. And most of the other people there had already been in the chiropractic verse. And there's this subset of that that's also really spiritual, embodied, like energetic, masterful people. Um, and this was a conference of those. And all of the other people there, most of them had spent a lot more time in school. Some of them were doctors, like a lot of like the world's greatest body workers were up on stage giving keynotes. And me and like five other people that were literally just finishing our first quarter of school decided to go without really any kind of like understanding of why. It's just that we wanted yeah. to. Yeah. And so that that's that story in the smallest nutshell. Like you can tell yeah. how excited I am going I've talked about it so many times. It's still, it's just not enough. Like that moment where if it is an explosion for you, it could also be a slow trickle, right? And yeah. then a blow up. But for me, 
I was into a lot of expansive activities, but yeah, that was when my spiritual and emotional body came online. Yeah. It's crazy when like you, I try sometimes when people are interested in this, they're like, I want to know more. I want to know more. I'm like, just come for a session. Like if you really are committed because it's not something you can put into words it's an experience and your whole life shifts so it's like that probably set you on a completely different new path oh totally yeah absolutely like how you know you were pursuing a career in acting and you were a waitress and your customers gifted you Joe Dispenza retreat. It's the, it was, it's really the same kind of story where all yeah. of a sudden you're like, holy shit, like, what is this? And where can I get more of it? Yeah. And you realize everything in your life or most of your life before is so out of alignment, but you have no idea till you experience something more. Um, I want to touch on the fact that you had all all these certifications or you have all these certifications, but nothing was like you were looking for external validation because you shifted so much into your power on a hot eyes. And I have a similar experience. It was like, it didn't matter. And people were like, oh, you're touch, you're Reiki. And I'm like, yeah, like, but I didn't believe in myself, even though like clients were like shifting so much. It was like, I had to start believing in myself for my life to really change. And I think the same for you. It's like the, our self-worth doesn't come from anything outside of us. It's from within. And when you tap into that, the third chakra, like you become unstoppable despite any challenge. Or the circumstance that you start with. Oh, hundred percent. I'm I'm yeah. still building. I'm sure that you are too. I'm I'm still in a building phase. Like not a lot of people know my name. I don't have clients banging down my door yet. Uh, I'm working on it, but I believe so strongly that I am doing what needs to be done in order to give people access to the type of healing that I've experienced where they wouldn't have anyone else where I'm at and they wouldn't have anybody else with my particular resonant energy. Like every single one of us has our own field that attracts our own cloud of other representations of humanity that need your work or my work. And so like, I'm so deep into the belief that what I'm trying to do matters and that what I'm trying to do, no one else can do because there's only one of me and that's needed that I can wait until there's a waiting list for my coaching services, a waiting list for my in-person sessions, my body work and, and my shamanic healing and all of that. Like it's, it's okay because it's coming because you've done the work and I've done the work for it to already be here. That's what manifestation is, right? Like, I would love to hear your opinion on this. It's, it's not just prayer. It's prayer from the stance of like gratitude. So like you're thanking source for allowing yourself to hold the field where it's already there. Yes. You're living in the reality and the frequency and the energy and the belief that's already happened because it has already happened. It's done. It's done. It's done. Just is manifesting here. That's so important because you're right. It's not just prayer. And it, I like to say it's 80% energy, 20% aligned action. You have to take the action too. 
Like you have to, but also living as the future version of yourself where it's already happened. And then it just happens. And you're like, how is this happening? Like, it's just, it's like, it just, it just does it. Something makes the thing happen. Like coming back here, I knew things were just going to like get really busy really quickly. I didn't know how. And it's like, they just did. Like people are like, where do you cleanse? I'm like, I don't know. Like they find me through referrals at the grocery store, walking my dog. Like it's like when you're ready and holding that frequency, it just happens in the ways we don't expect it. I would love to add one thing that you're undermining yourself on. You said you're trying to give other people this experience. No, you already are. And you've already done, you're doing a lot of ceremonies. Like you and Sydney are killing it. Like I love seeing your ceremonies and the ads and like the after chats, like you're already doing it. You're not trying, you are, you are doing it to take ownership of that. I have to, I do find myself getting stuck in wanting to be somewhere else still. That is probably my major detractor right now is not accepting that. I'm doing the work presently. So thank you for pointing that out and giving me that reminder. You're welcome because you are doing the work. You are doing so much work. You're literally like you're killing it. And the more you own that, the quicker the wait list for your services will come. That's powerful. Thank you for that. Very well. I do want to be respectful of your time and we do have a little bit to play with here, but I, I want to kind of sum things up, especially because we so naturally and organically came back to manifesting. Manifesting. <laughs> and I just benefited with a little bit of a mini session myself here. Uh, are there any largest factors that people need to address that we haven't already touched on or that you would like to like, sum up with a nice bow tie on them what they need to do in order to become a more powerful manifester in their own lives. Yes. Um, some areas that I feel like people get really stuck on, and I just did a masterclass on this specifically for abundance um, and an activation I have recorded. I have them both recorded. If anybody wants, they can head over to my Instagram and DM me which I'm sure you will link in the show. Yeah, everything's going to be in the show notes, yep. Awesome. So, so many people worry about the how. How is it going to happen? And every time we worry about the how, the frequency behind it, the energetics behind it is actually not believing that it's going to happen because we're not believing in a greater power and something greater than us. So that's a block. I see a lot of people worry about if we can let the how go and just open ourselves up to the possibilities that are perfect and right for us and allow those to come in and recognize the opportunities when they come, like life-changing. Like you will see how the universe literally conspires in your favor. Um, but ha- and having that being said, having a strong why is so important. So if somebody's like, I want to manifest $10,000. Okay, let's not worry about the how. There's many realms that can come in. It can come in form of gifts. It can come in in cash flow. It can come in like in so many ways, scholarships, whatever it may be. But why? Like, 
And what are you going to allocate that money to? So why do you want the $10,000? Do you want to feel safe? Do you want to feel free? Do you want to invest in your business? And then once you go to the why, it's like, okay, what is that feeling going to bring? So if you want freedom to travel, okay, what are the emotions associated with that? And then you go to the emotion and this is freaking gold. So you said you're already living for the most part as in it already being happened. You're carrying that frequency. You're carrying those emotions. So the more we can live in this frequency, tap into it during meditation and draw it to ourselves. the quicker we're going to draw the experience to ourselves. Because like attracts like, and if we're living in the frequency already of abundance and or freedom, the quicker that is going to come to us because we're living as it already, as within it already happening. And I'll give you an example on health with this. I have seen a lot of spontaneous healings and the moment the person feels so full and healed, they're not looking at themselves as in when I am healed, it's like, I am healed. And they're not just saying it and setting that intention out, but they're experiencing themselves as already being healed. That's the moment the healing happens because they're not living in the lack of it anymore. They've already have it. They feel it. And then it manifests. And another really big thing is like, we, our nervous system can only be an expansion or contraction at one moment in time. If we are trying to call in the manifestations, which likely are of expansion, of abundance, of joy, of a new job, a new partner, whatever, usually that's going to be an expansive feeling, a higher emotion, joy, gratitude, bliss. So start to tune into your body and catch the micro moments of when you don't feel expansion and then release those and rewrite them. And what I mean by this is an example, if you're trying to call in financial abundance and you're at the grocery store and you see two types of cheese and you really want the one that's $10, but then there's one that's $3 and you're like, oh, which one do I get? I should get the $3 one. Okay, stop, catch yourself, awareness is number one, release the feeling of contraction through a breath is how I like to do it just in these micro moments, the quickest and easiest way. And then ask, like, look at it from a different perspective of what feels more expansive. Does it feel more expansive to get the cheese that you actually really want? Are you telling, by getting the other cheese, you're actually telling the universe, I am worthy of this. And then start to look at, is this $7 really going to make a difference over the next two months? And that's probably like 25 cents per slice of cheese. <laughs> no. So choose the expansive one. And then like our body and our energy can only be in abundance or lack at one moment in time. So if you're living in lack, your frequency, you can't be calling in abundance. Those two don't go together. you got to be living in the frequency of abundance. The more you can catch these micro moments like that and living, okay, which, what would abundance do? What would the version of myself in the future, living in abundance, living in expansion, living in love, what would they do? What choice would they make? And then start to make those choices. 
And if you're not ready to make the choices, at least you have the awareness. So when once you start to release the unworthiness, the lack, the traumas that are making you live in these lower states, then you can start to make the choices from a place of abundance and expansion. And those are the moments that the manifestations start to come your way. And like from my own experience, if you want to listen to the one on my dog when he got stolen, it was when I let go, I prayed, I felt him back in my arms and then I let it go. And I said to the universe, I said, like, this is what I'm calling in. And if it's in his highest good to be with these other people, then let it be. So two minutes later, they called, they called the store that they stole him from. They stole him outside. Of. Um, but it wasn't until I, I, I let it go. And I'm like, if, like, if this is of the greatest good, because the attachment to the thing again is from a lack mentality. I need this or else I'm going to die. Like the feeling viscerally of I'm going to die or I need this or I'm unworthy. That is from a lack mentality. That's a contractive energy state. I want this. And if I don't get it, that's okay. Cause I'm perfect and whole. That's when the healing happens when they're already feeling healthy and all of a sudden they are. And there's so many people, um, the, oh, what's her name? The blonde, I'll message you her name so you can put in the show notes, but she healed from Lyme's disease, rewriting this because she was experiencing herself as already being healed. It's not like I will be healed if I am, I am healed. And once we start to live in that, then we, our life shifts to that. Yeah. Yeah. Those are, um, the biggest things. And one more is just being conscious. It's very hard. It's actually impossible to manifest um, greater levels and higher vibrations from a place of fear. So be conscious of what you are consuming, whether it's especially right before you go to bed, because that's when our brain's getting programmed and our nervous system's getting programmed and our energy fields because our brain waves slow and go into theta and delta. Be conscious of the frequency of what you're consuming. So a lot of the news, if not all, is fear-based, fear-mongering. A lot of TV shows too, like have these lower vibrations that are subconsciously programming us or like other people's limiting beliefs. Be aware of what you're letting into your field and whose beliefs and whose frequencies you are taking on because they are not yours and you don't need to accept them. Yeah, that was really powerful. Thank you so, so much for breaking it down into like that much of a digestible nature. Cause it's, it's just all so true. I've experienced so I've experienced all of what you're talking about. (laughs) And the last message of, uh, of be careful what you consume nowadays is crucial. It's so, so needed whether or not you're interested in diving down the woo-woo rabbit hole of trying to manifest your best life. Like I really truly believe that it's like a chicken or the egg scenario with media at this point. I don't know whether or not the media pushed fear as their base programming before they were shown by the people 
that fear is addicting and that they got better ratings when they pushed scarier and scarier stories and pushed positive stories more and more out. And now, if you look at the data of how much viewership has dropped over the past three years, they're down to like 25 or less percent of their audience. Interesting. Literally over 70% of their viewer ratings have plummeted on all major networks. And so who do they have left but the people most addicted to the fear-mongering? And then those people go to work and spread it to everybody else. You know, with their, with their, uh, what's the term for it? Water, the water cooler gossip where they, you know, they're standing around at the office. Yeah. Yeah. That's just wild. And it's happening on such a major level now. There's like, it's not, there's no gray areas anymore. It's black and white. It's either you're living a fear-based life or you're not. 100%. And within that, we still have the choice. Like I think boundaries are so big and you know this because of the training on boundaries, which was very intense. I mean, the whole training was, but there's, there's so many hidden things where we think we don't have boundaries and we do like with our family, for example, I was at my grandma's 90th birthday and they started talking in this like fear frequency mongering and all the news says this. And I'm like, stop literally did this in her thing. I'm like, we are having grandma's 90th birthday. Let's bring this to a pleasant and joyful state. If you are going to be talking about all the negative things that the media is telling us from a place of fear, I am not available for it. So I'm here to have a really good experience and give grandma a really good experience for her 90th birthday. And if you guys aren't on board with that, that's okay, but I'm not available for it. So I'm going to head downstairs to my room. And it was like, everything shifted. So we think in these scenarios, oh, like they're talking about this. Like, I I don't know what to do. I can't say anything. I don't have a voice. Yeah, you do have a voice and you have the choice to stay or leave. You also have a voice to speak your boundaries from a place of love and Mm self-respect. And it's like, Two years ago, even a year ago, I would have never done that. I wouldn't have thought I had the choice, but I just made the choice. I'm not available for that. I am not available for fear mongering. It's just not coming into my vortex anymore because I'm not available for it. And when it's there, like it doesn't interact. It doesn't come into my field. And if it is around my field, I remove myself from the situation or I speak out a boundary. And it's like, I don't need to let their fear affect me as well. So I think it's like really important for people to start again, remembering their power in any and every situation. And this can be boundaries with friends. It could be with partners. It could be with the freaking government, like all of these things. You know, it's like, we have way more power then we think, and if people really, really knew their power, there's so many things we, like, we wouldn't be afraid. Yeah. Jill, thank you for bringing your whole self onto the show today. <laughs> You're very welcome. Really bringing the heat, bringing the love, bringing the light. 
you are wise and powerful, quote unquote, beyond your years, because we don't we know that it doesn't really work like that. But anyways, trying to compliment <laughs> you. <laughs> uh, this has just been a really, really wonderful, heartfelt conversation. And it's been really great to be back in your presence again and to learn more of your truth and to see more of your passion and uh i can tell that you really are helping people and that you're going to help a lot more as the years go on and like this is just the beginning we're on the we're on the bottom floor you know which is really profound considering how high we've climbed to get into the lobby of the building (laughs) so to say oh thank you so much Justin, I just want to acknowledge you. You are going to help. You already are helping so many people and you're going to help so, so many more. And like being a male in this industry is like such a gift because I think predominantly a lot of females are doing this work and more open to this work, especially using like other energies, other realms, other techniques. And I just want to acknowledge you for stepping fully, fully in um, because it's so needed. And it makes me so happy to see more men stepping in to this work. And especially for you as being a leader in this work, because we need more male facilitators specifically for women. Like there's so many wounds, I think for the majority of women that when you have a male healer facilitator who really is in this work and, and knows what he's doing, that is so healing. And it's like, I can work with women and heal a lot of stuff, but there's something so special about a male facilitator working with a woman and helping her heal the wounds of the unconscious masculine that those have like caused. So I just want to acknowledge you for that. I appreciate that. Yeah. I am living up to that as best as I can in every moment, you were part of the process of really opening my eyes to how sorely that type of work is needed through male hands. And so, yeah, it's just one more reason for me to double down on everything that I personally believe in. So thank you. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. All right. Until next time. This is wonderful. Awesome. This was so good. Thank you so much.
All right, everyone. Thank you so much for listening. Once again, you can find Jill at Jill Alana Nixon on Instagram. That's J-I-L-L-A-L-A-N-N-A-N-I-X-O-N. Check out all the cool things she has coming up, full of potential, full of value. She's definitely worth following, and I really hope you enjoyed this week's conversation. Don't forget that if you've listened this long and you've gotten value out of this experience, the way to show that we've contributed to your life in any way, shape, or form is to go rate, subscribe, and leave us a review on Apple or rate and subscribe on Spotify. You can also just share it with your friends. That'd be fantastic. If you know anybody who needs this conversation in their lives, then that'd be great. And until next week, thank you so much for listening. Remember that you are not alone. Remember that your life holds infinite value in this world. Know that you are loved, and we will see you next week. Hare Krishna.